Sunday at noon. Thanks to those who download these podcasts from iTunes. Write your correspondence and feedback by emailing us at utahchristians at gmail.com. We also have a membership class at our website, utahchristians.org. I'd like to thank those who have taken the membership class and become members. Couldn't do what we do without your help and support. Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder and charya of the International Society of Krishna Consciousness. Today our topic is saving your shakti, or not giving away your power. Every day we have opportunities to get upset, frustrated, offended. <clears throat> Maybe our plans didn't work out, someone was rude to us at the office. Maybe what took an hour ended up taking three hours. Life is full of inconveniences. There will always be interruptions. There will be people who are hard to get along with. We can't control all of our circumstances, but we can control how we react to them. Someone said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% about how you react to it or how you respond. We should go through every day positive, hopeful, expecting Krishna's favor. But at the same time, we have to be realistic, knowing that all our days are not going to go exactly as planned. If you get stressed out because you get off schedule, upset because your child won't eat her breakfast, frustrated because someone offended you, what you're doing is you're giving away your power. The example is given of a pot. In India there are clay pots which are meant to hold water, but if the pot has a hairline crack, the water will gradually slip out, and the pot will not fulfill the purpose for which it's created. So similarly, we're meant to be in peace. When you have a calmness, when you have a joy inside, when you have a smile on your face, when you're good to people, you're at your best. That's a position of power. But if you keep losing it, getting frustrated and angry, and giving away your power, you're going to be like a, a crack pot that eventually loses all of its content. Too many people nowadays have the wrong approach to life. They think they can't be happy unless they control all their circumstances, unless everything goes their own way. But that's not realistic. You're setting yourself up for disappointment if you make those kinds of impositions. We have to some or other come to the place where we can say, I don't have to have my way in order to have a good day. My plans don't have to work out in order for me to be happy. Everybody does not have to treat me right in order for me to enjoy my life. Let's make up our minds beforehand that no matter what does or doesn't happen, I'm going to stay in peace and enjoy this day. Now this will help us, this kind of a realization, that no person can take our joy away, no circumstances can steal our peace. We have to give it away. Next time you're tempted to get upset and frustrated, ask yourself, is this petty inconvenience worth giving my power away? Some of you today, you're not having the victory in your lives that you should because you keep giving your power away. In the Mahabharata, we read about the sage Vishwamitra. He was a warrior and therefore in a very passionate mode. He wanted to become a Brahmin. He saw the Brahmins were models of composure and forgiveness and good behavior. And he realizes that the Brahmatejas, the power of the Brahmins, was greater than the Chatriyatejas, the power of the Chatriyas. So he set about changing his temperament by penances and austerities. Now Indra, the lord of the heavenly planet, saw that Vishwamitra's mounting power was a potential challenge to him. So first he sent Manaki, a beautiful Apsara society girl, who in fact caused Vishwamitra to lose and to give away his power. 
Their child was named Sakuntala. <coughs> Second time, Vishwamitra was approached by someone named Trishanku. And he felt that he should be able to go to Indraloka, the heavenly planets, without doing pious activities and in his self-same body. And he flattered Vishwamitra that we don't have to abide by the normal laws of nature. You have superseded those laws of nature with your power. Whatever words are uttered from your mouth, those will be true. So if you want to send me to the heavenly planets, you can do it. Vishwamitra was flattered and lured by the words of Trishanku. So sure enough, he sent Trishanku up to the heavenly planets by his own mystic power. But Indra then pushed him down. He said, this is not right. This is an anomaly. This is not the way. So Indra pushed him down. Then Vishwamitra pushed him up. Vishwamitra pushed him down, up and down. Anyway, Vishwamitra lost his power for the second time and he had to start all over again. The third time, Indra lured him not just with one society girl, but he sent three girls from heavenly planet. And Vishwamitra was so upset at the presumption of Indra that instead of using all this accumulated power for good, for forgiveness, for righteousness, he turned him into crocodiles. <laughs> again, he lost everything. He had to start over again. The good news is he eventually got there, but not until he wasted a lot of time and energy in giving his power away three separate times. We don't have the lifespan that Vishwamitra had. We don't have the determination. So I suggest to you that our lives are too short our time is too valuable to live it upset and offended. If you allow your circumstances to control your joy, there's always going to be some reason to be discouraged. True, it's the economy that's down, it's a stock market, that's why I'm so depressed, that's why my chin is dragging on the floor. No, you're giving away your joy. The economy in the spiritual world is doing just fine. Lord Brahma described by Kunta, the abode of the Lord, Chintamani Pakarasa Mishu Kalpa Vriksha Lakshmi Vritishu Suravi Abhipalyantam Lakshmi Sahasat Brahma Sevyamanam Govindam Maripurusham Tamaham Vajami. That spiritual world is made of Chintamani or touchstone. And there, there are hundreds of thousands of Lakshmis who cannot leave the side of the Lord even for a moment. Here, if we want prosperity, we worship Lakshmi. And she comes and stays only a short time at our household. She's called Chancho or Flicker. She never stays anywhere very, very long. But in the spiritual world, there are hundreds of thousands of Lakshmis who stay permanently at the side of the Lord and cannot leave Him even for a moment. So if we're connected to Krishna, if we're connected to that world of unlimited eternal spiritual resources, we're going to be all right down here. Those who put God first place, who honor Him, by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, they do not have to share or suffer from the same scarcities and the same lacks that exist in a godless society. <clears throat> Some of you today don't have the uh, victory that you should, you don't have the hope that you should, you don't have the peace that you should. It helps to know that there's little use, there's little profit in trying to change people. This will save you a lot of time and energy. Never ask Krishna to change another person without first asking him to change yourself. Don't ask Krishna to stop your wife from doing those annoying things that she does. Ask him to stop you from reacting to her, from becoming annoying. 
Your wife may know after 20 or 30 or 40 years of marriage what buttons to push that she can aggravate and upset you. And when she pushes this button, she gets that reaction. When she pushes that button, she gets another reaction. Instead of asking God to stop your wife from pushing the buttons, ask him to stop you from being upset when she pushes the buttons. And in the future, when she pushes the button and nothing happens, she's not going to push the buttons anymore. That change that may come from her is only going to be preceded by a change in you. Let's say there's a co-worker who aggravates you at work. When, you're, when they're inside, you go outside. When they're outside, you go inside. When they're in the coffee shop, that's the last place you're going to go. When you're in the coffee shop and they come in, you leave the coffee shop. They're dictating, they're controlling, they're stealing your peace day after day after day. So instead of praying, Lord, send this co-worker to another floor, another department, get this co-worker fired, promoted, get this co-worker out of there. Instead of praying that, why don't you just pray, Lord, change me so I'm no longer bothered by it. But if we don't pass this test, what's going to happen is, let's say that prayer to remove the co-worker from my side is answered. What's going to happen then, in their place, two more people, just like that person, are going to come into the company. And one of them is going to set up in the cubicle to the right of me, and another one is going to set up in the cubicle to the left of me. Two more people will be hired, just so that you learn to pass the test. Stop choosing to be upset in the Guru Granth Sahib, in the Bible, in the Koran, in the Bhagavad Gita, in no scripture, in no divine revelation, were we ever promised that our circumstances would be perfect in order for us to be happy. Things that are upsetting us, they don't have to upset us. The people who are aggravating us, even if those people don't change, they don't have to bother us and upset our day. If you make certain minor adjustments and change your approach to life, you can be happy no matter what the circumstances are. I'm asking you today to stop allowing people traffic, long lines at the checkout counter, circumstances to steal your joy. Let's put our foot down. This child is not going to provoke me. This boss is hard to get along with. I'm not going to let him ruin one more day. <clears throat> After they lost everything in the game of dice, and Bhima and Yudhisthira and their other three brothers were on the road to 13 years of exile, Bhima was so upset that people would perceive them as wimps, as spineless people, having been cheated at dice and just walking away. Bhima started a big argument with Yudhisthira. Let's go back and straighten them out. Let's go back and kill them and take up the kingdom. They don't have a right. They don't have a right to do what they did. And we have every right not to go into exile, to violate the principles of the covenant and go back and take their kingdom. But Yudhisthira did not want to let go of his power. He wanted the power of forgiveness. He wanted the power of positivism. So he did not lend himself to the arguments of Bhima. And not only did he go cheerfully into the forest for 13 years, but he enjoyed each and every day, accumulating more and more power of goodness and righteousness. And he did not become overcome with bitterness or resentment about the past. He enjoyed his time. Then, after they came back from 13 years of exile, Duryodhana refused to honor his side of the bargain. He refused to give them their half of the kingdom back. And again, in order to keep his power and not let go of his power, Yudhisthira was willing to make the compromise. All right? You don't want to give half of our kingdom back? Just give us five villages. 
big, big power of kings. And we'll be happy with five villages. We won't cause you any problem. If you have a war, if you have an enemy, we'll support you. Just make this one concession. And only when Duryodhana refused to give them as much land as would fit under the head of the pen, then Yudhisthira had no more options left over. Now was the time to exert his power, to capitalize on the righteousness and the goodness that he'd accumulated during 13 years. All the while Duryodhana was giving away his power, right, left, center, getting upset, getting aggravated with conspiracies and so on and so on. So when asked before the war, Arjuna would ask, this war is going to come up. The bookies are not giving you guys very good odds. You're outnumbered three to two. On the other side, there's Bhisma, there's Dronacharya, there's Duryodhana, there's Ashwatthama, there's Karna. You don't have that many great heroes. So what are your odds? What do you think your chances of success are? And Arjuna said 150%. Because we have not given away our power. We have accumulated the full power of righteousness. And righteousness is your greatest weapon in the course of any sort of conflict. <clears throat> so even at payback time, their power was under control, their power was conserved. A lot of people think that when you hear about meekness, meekness touted as a virtue, it means weakness. Meekness does not mean weakness. Meek people are not weak people. Meek people are strong people with their strength under control. They haven't given away their power. I heard a joke in this connection. Um, man was sitting, truck driver, was sitting at a truck stop, eating his dinner very quietly and peacefully. And the sounds of motorcycles coming into the parking lot were heard. And kickstands being put down. And before you know it, big dozen, dozen and a half, big, burly, tattooed, bearded, mean motorcycle guys came into the truck stop. The leader of the motorcycle went up to where that truck driver was peacefully eating a meal and he knocked the plate off the table. He said, excuse me, it was an accident. And then he took his water glass and he poured it over the head of the truck driver and said, I'm so sorry that happened. I apologize. For his part, the truck driver just coolly and calmly brushed off the crumbs with his napkin off of his lap. He took the napkin, he patted the water out of his hair and on his face. Paid the waiter, gave a tip, he pushed off from the chair, he got up, he walked down, and he started up his 18-wheeler. Meanwhile, feeling like he proved his point, the leader of the motorcycle gang went up to the waiter and said, he wasn't much of a man, was he? And the waiter said, no, he wasn't much of a man. And he's not much of a driver either, because he just ran over 18 motorcycles in the parking lot on his way out. So that wasn't weakness, that was meekness, that was strength under control. D.H. Lawrence wrote a poem about the most powerful of all the animals. And what I like about this poem, it, it shows the strength under control of the elephant, its reticence and shyness. <clears throat> the elephant, the huge old beast, is slow to mate. He finds a female, they show no haste, they wait for the sympathy in their vast, shy hearts, slowly, slowly to rouse, as they loiter along the river beds and drink and browse with the herd, sleep in massive silence and wake together without a word. So slowly the great hot elephant hearts grow full of desire, and the great beasts mate in secret at last, hiding their fire. 
oldest they are and the wisest of beasts, so they know at last how to wait for the loneliest of feasts, for the full repast. They do not snatch, they do not tear. Their massive blood moves as the moon tides near, more near till they touch in flood. See, the problem with Bhima was that he was allowing his actions to be dictated by the opinions of others. He was worried how it looked, them going meekly off to the first after having been cheated at dice. It bothered him how people thought of them, what people would say about them. But the difference between Bhima and Yudhisthira is Yudhisthira did not define himself by the opinion of others. And similarly, what others say about you does not define who you are, does not determine your self-worth. Let that roll off you like water off a duck's back. People have every right to their opinion, and you have every right to ignore it. And some people feel like it's their calling in life to point out each and everything that everyone else is doing wrong. Have you ever noticed that people who try to control everyone else's life don't have their own lives under control? Have you ever noticed that at all? And there's nothing more people would like who are like that than to keep you upset, off balance, always arguing, constantly defending yourself, and proving your own worth. Rise above that. You don't need their agreement, their approval. Just let that go and be who Krishna made you to be. Some people who come across our path, last week we were talking about the 25% rule. 25% of the people that you meet are not going to like you no matter what you do. You can lend them money, you can visit them in the hospital, you can help them move to another city. They're still not going to be satisfied. They're still not going to be persuaded to like you. No matter what we do, so we might as well stop wasting time and energy trying to please people who are implacable. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is an incarnation of Krishna. He descended on this planet 500 years ago, and he was an ideal apostle of love of God. He was saintly to the highest degree. And he made his headquarters in Puri, along with some of his intimate associates. But there was one envious sannyasi in Puri. His name was Ramachandra Puri. And he wanted to discredit the followers of Mahaprabhu, but there was nothing, there was no fault that you could find in them. So he actually made up this scenario. He would invite some of Lord Chaitanya's followers to his house, and he would feed them sumptuous. And then he would give them second portions, and they'd say, oh, I'm satisfied. And if they didn't take second portions, he would criticize them. He would insist to take a little bit more. And after they'd taken a little bit more, he would say, you have to take a little bit more. Otherwise, he would criticize them. Then, as soon as they left, then he would say, these so-called renunciants, these so-called sannyasis, they're gluttons. They eat far more than they need to eat. They're phony. It was a lose-lose situation for them. If they didn't eat, he would criticize them. If they ate, he would criticize them. So he was going to criticize them no matter what, even though they had no fault. And then one time he went to visit Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Lord Chaitanya lived in a little, small, spartan room. Ate very simply. But this Ramachandra Puri, he saw a few ants on the floor. He said, aha, just see. In public, this sannyasi is putting on a big show of renunciation. But in private, he's eating sweets. Otherwise, how can these hands be here on the floor? So it, there are Ramachandra Puris in each and every one of our lives. And there's nothing we can do that they won't criticize us, they won't spread lies about us, they won't talk behind our back. And so we might as well not give up our power to please these kinds of people. We can meet all their demands, and they're still not going to be happy. 
What are they saying? We don't have to respond to each and every critic and prove to them who we are. We can stay on the high road. Let Krishna fight our battles. Prahlad Maharaj, his father was trying to harass him, torture him in so many ways. But for the provocation that Hiranyakashipu gave Prahlad, Prahlad in return did not rise to the provocation. He didn't argue or debate or let his father get him upset. He gave peace for provocation. At one time, when Hiranyakashipu asked him, where do you get your power from? How do you get your calmness? Prahlad said, Father, you're always stressed out. You're always in anxiety. You would enjoy your life so much more if you did not take this temporary material body as the self. This body will be finished in due course of time. It'll be burned, it'll be buried, it'll be eaten by vultures and scavengers. So trying to keep this body safe is an impossible task. It's a formula for stress and anxiety. Realize that we're not this body, but we're the eternal spirit soul, part and parcel of God, within the body. And when we realize that we're imperishable, that we're eternal, that's the last day that we'll worry and we'll stress out. But we can give peace for provocation. And the beautiful thing is that if people don't accept our words of peace, then we get it back to ourselves. If they don't accept what we're saying about self-realization and honoring God, it comes back and then not only do we get our share, but we get a double portion. We get their share as well. Do the right thing when the wrong thing has happened. Krishna sees that and he rewards it. When you meet people with poison on the inside, it's important that you don't sink down to their level and let that poison rub off on you. I heard about a boy, a little league boy, whose team had been beaten badly by another team. And the boy was with his parents, and they were leaving the field, about to get into their car. And one of the boys from the winning team came over, and he said to this boy, he said, your team sucked. Now instead of setting him straight, or giving him, or rising to the bait, you know how he responded? He said, you pitched a great game. You pitched a great game. Do the right thing, even when there's provocation. Even when someone is wronging you, respond with peace to the provocation. It said, blessed are the meek. To be meek doesn't mean that your name is Casper Milktoast. It means that your strength is under control. That you save your strength. You don't fight every little petty battle that comes across your path. But you save your strength for the major battles that God has in mind for you to fight. You don't dissipate it by responding to every critic. You don't straighten every single person out. You may have the power to straighten them out, but you need to ask yourself the question, do I want to waste my power straightening out these critics? People are going to talk, but don't let it bother you. Learn to be an eagle. Everybody is going to have to spend time with crows, but learn to rise to an altitude where crows cannot fly. I don't know if you know this, but crows have a lot more low-altitude maneuverability than the eagles. And the crows love to try to provoke the eagles. They love to go to the eagles. They'll go around and peck at them and all like that. But the eagle does not allow himself to be uh, lured into the petty squabble that the crow would like to have. The eagle just rises higher and higher and higher and higher and higher because the eagle knows something. He knows that he can go to an altitude that the crow can't follow. So he does not allow the crow to steal his joy. Similarly, in each and every one of our lives, we're going to have some crows, 
We're going to have some chickens, and we're probably going to have a few turkeys. That's okay, as long as we know they're not going where we're going. They can't rise to the altitude that will rise. Krishna and Sisupal, for instance, when Krishna was nominated as the Purushnam, the greatest personality on the planet at the time, it was a huge stadium, a huge arena, when all the important people, all the kings of the world were present. And Sisupal so much was envious, so much resented the nomination of Krishna, that he stood up and he just started throwing one nasty word after another, one lie after another, infective after infective after infective after another. The whole amphitheater was in an uproar. Everybody was upset, except for Krishna. He just sat there, cool and calm and collected, and he did not rise to the provocation of Sisupal. Sisupal insulted him 100 times before he took action. So some of us also need to look at the example of Krishna and realize that we're allowing ourselves to get upset much too easily. We're allowing too many things to steal our joy. The traffic, the weather, a grumpy cashier. Don't go year after year after year being the same way, being agitated by the same people, the same kinds of circumstances. Draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going to give my power away anymore. I'm going to stay cool, calm, and collected. I'm not going to be like people who go around all day full of frustration, anger, and aggression. Some people are like snakes. Snakes, they poison accumulates in their glands. And the more that the poison accumulates without being released, the more uncomfortable and aggressive it makes the snake. They're hot, they're agitated, and they're just going around looking for somewhere to release, some pretext to release their poison. So if someone comes at you aggressively, provocatively, don't take it personally. It's got nothing to do with you. It has to do with their own problems, their own issues. Just smile, wave at them, wish them well, and keep moving on. Today especially, people are unloading so much bad news, so much anger. Learn to keep your protective shield. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. We can't stop people from releasing poison, but we can, if we chant, stop it from affecting us. It is said you can tell a lot about how big a person is by how much it takes them to get upset. It's a little pot that boils the quickest. Our emotions will either be controlled by our circumstances or our character. Someone is rude to you, your emotions will tell you, pay them back, get even, let them have it. That doesn't take any discipline or self-control at all. But when you're meek, when your strength is under control, when you develop character, you realize, I'm bigger than this. I'm not going to let them pull me down. I've got dreams to realize, goals to accomplish, places to go. Do you know that character is only developed during the tough times? Did you know that? When we do the right thing, when the wrong thing is happening, that's when character develops. And the reason a lot of people today don't have character and they're not developing character is because they always take the easy, convenient way out. It's easy to want to pay people back. It's easy to want to get even. But it takes a mature person to overlook an offense and not let it spoil their day. It takes discipline to bite the tongue and let someone else have the last word. I've discovered that there'll always be someone to steal our joy if we allow them. If it's not a neighbor, it'll be a family member. If it's not a family member, it'll be a co-worker. If it's not a co-worker, it'll be a grumpy cashier, or a slow driver on the freeway, or a child crying during the sermon, or a telemarketer. 
calling during dinner time. The next time you're tempted to get upset, see it as an opportunity to grow in character. As you grow in character, Krishna will release more and more and more of his blessings. Promotion comes from God. And he's not going to promote someone if they are going to rise to the bait at every time, jump down people's throat, get upset, lose their cool every day, and treat people wrong. That will limit what Krishna can do in your life. But if we focus on developing our character, learn to do the right thing in the tough times, and overlook offenses, rising above them, there's no limit to where Krishna is going to take us. If the next 20 years, if you're allowing the same circumstances and the same people to steal your joy, you're going to be frustrated in life. Learn not to give away your power. Keep chanting, and when someone tries to infect you with their poison, just smile at them and keep moving on. Be an eagle and rise above provocation. I would like us to go into the future more determined than ever before that we're going to live life to the full. We're not supposed to drag through the day frustrated and upset. We're supposed to be full of peace, full of joy, full of victory. If you'll learn this principle of not giving away your shakti or your power and focus on developing your character, you'll live a life of joy. Krishna is going to pour out his blessings and favor. You're going to rise higher and higher and higher. And in the very near future, you're going to find yourself back to home, back to God, where life is eternal, full of bliss and knowledge. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to chant with me, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.